Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, Amtrak is looking to expand service around the country, and Frontier Airlines has to admit it pays a bonus to those gate agents who force you to check your bag. Those stories next in the news. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, we take you to Arizona, where right now an annual ritual known as... And right now, an annual ritual known as spring training is taking place. Mark's there and has some observation and tips for those of us who are heading to Arizona this or in a future year. At 335, we introduce you to another of our National Geographic authors, this time to give you a pre-St. Patrick's Day look at Ireland. And finally, at 350, Mark has another edition of the weird travel news, and it is definitely lives up to its name. Another wet Sunday afternoon in Sacramento. To those listening from the rowboats all over Northern California, welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again, I've been everywhere, man. of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Thanks for coming along. Boy, it's been a wet and wild weekend, to say the least. And, uh, Mark, you're there in Arizona. I've been kind of following uh-huh. along, listening to uh, Giants baseball uh, on the radio, which is my favorite place to, to listen to it. And it uh, looks like the weather there has been relatively good. Uh, I was listening yeah. a couple of days ago. They were talking about... Uh, you know, some clouds and stuff, but uh, temperatures in the yeah. 70s. How's it been? No, I, to say the weather has been perfect down here for the first three days of our stay. And here Sunday, it's looking like another perfect day. So the weather, the, the all of the water has stayed north. Some of the storms hit the Phoenix area. In fact, um, some of the earlier storms, because they're releasing water all over out of the mountains here in order to make sure that their dams have room in case another one of those big storms head this way so it is a desert but the weather has been perfect it's it's a really interesting spring training tom because baseball has a whole truckload of rule changes this year uh, mostly intended to speed up the game and indeed the early games uh, down here in spring training first couple weeks are running about 30 minutes faster than previous spring training games the minor leagues use these rules for a couple of years and and the same thing happened there so if you're a baseball fan you're going to see a real difference this year uh, not only in the speed of the games but positioning of defenders and some other interesting things that i think are are going to be pluses for for baseball fans anyway at least our group of fans is is really enjoying um the changes and getting used to them a little bit and stuff like that Well, good, good. All right. Well, we'll talk more about the spring training and all of that coming up in our Smarter Traveler segment here in about uh, 12 minutes from now. But right now, as we always do at the top of every Travel Guys radio show, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with the travel news, as always, here's Mark Hoffman. Well, and some interesting travel news. In fact, at the end of the program, we're going to have the weird travel news. I don't know that this doesn't almost qualify in some ways. Normal travel news to start with. 
Amtrak has restarted cascade service between Portland and Vancouver. Just a few months ago, it restarted service between Seattle and Vancouver. So now you have two options a day from Seattle northbound and one from Portland. Might be something that uh, might look into for a group from Sports Leisure Vacations one of these days, uh, riding the train from Portland all the way up to to Vancouver. Some beautiful scenery there. But anyway, another travel option for you in the Pacific Northwest. You could fly to Portland or fly to Seattle, take the train all the way to Vancouver, which is an absolutely beautiful city. Amtrak has also announced that they are looking to expand some of their service in the southern part of the country, perhaps trains from New York to Atlanta and all the way on as far as Dallas, so uh, maybe some new Southern service coming from Amtrak as uh, recent legislation has kind of given them a little bit of a mandate in order to expand their service. This is kind of a weird story uh, from One Mile at a Time, a blog that I read online. This is about a a tech billionaire, tech millionaire, who has, um, who reportedly offered his first class Delta seatmate $100,000 to remove her mask for the entire flight. Um, this was after he explained to her they don't work, and claim, he claims that the seatmate worked for a pharmaceutical company. So in a tweet, he claimed he started by offering her $100 and then worked up from there. Now, I just want to say, personally, um, I don't currently wear masks on airplanes, but even if I did, I probably could be bought off for $100,000. What do you should think? say, Tom? oh, my gosh, are you kidding? What was the? Do, uh, you, do you have an outcome? Did she take her mask off, take the money? Um, she did not. He continued to kind of harass her when breakfast came. Apparently, he said, "Oh well, so you're going to take your mask off now?" And apparently, it was all taken fairly good naturedly by the other passenger. I'm not sure that you know I would have been quite as good natured about it, perhaps as she was. But nonetheless, um, it, he 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 publicly wrote that he offered a hundred thousand dollars. Apparently, he has done this before in a couple of other situations. Asking people to take off their masks and offering them money, and made the comment that perhaps next time I should offer hundred offer a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that didn't work this time. Uh, Marriott, this is really a, this. I'm telling you, the travel news is weird at the top and the end of the show. Um, Marriott has released details of allegations against Michael Irvin, who is um, who was a uh, broadcaster for the NFL Network and uh, ESPN. Um, supposedly, they say that Mr. Irwin got inebriated and sexually harassed uh, a woman in uh, a hotel in one of the company's uh, one of the company's chain properties. And so, um, Irvin says that the whole thing is complete and total BS. It got him fired from his job. Um, his broadcasting job, but he says that uh, there's nothing to it and that he can prove it. And Marriott says, we don't think so, so much. So kind of unusual that in this case, it was the hotel chain that brought um, action against um, the alleged perpetrator in this case, who is somebody with a a real name and a, a reputation certainly to lose. Yeah, it's kind of a Kind of an interesting story, something that probably worth take, keeping an eye on. Um, if you wonder why you go places during the spring break, uh, traveling and service still in hotels and restaurants and the like is not exactly what you'd like to see in some cases. Um, keep in mind, a Friday report says that nearly two million jobs are unfilled in the travel and tourism industry. That's really interesting because the last couple jobs reports have shown tremendous job growth in the leisure and hospitality 
industry over 100,000 jobs just in the month of February alone, but that apparently is not making too much of a dent in this 2 million job backlog. So it's all the way from back of the house to front of the house to the guy who drives drives the shuttle bus. Housekeeping still is a problem for many hotels, although some have returned to everyday housekeeping. But I'm staying in a hotel in Phoenix, that a very nice Marriott property that has everyday housekeeping. But I will tell you that it's not quite as thorough as it used to be, which tells me that the housekeepers are probably cleaning more rooms and spending less time per room mm-hmm. when someone is staying over. Uh, in a room. So anyway, kind of, you, you know, the, the story that uh, in regards to uh, job growth uh, for the month of February, uh, the hospitality industry and entertainment uh, was the one that hired in and put on the most people, comparably speaking to all of the other categories uh, who have just shrunken. And uh, so even though they're still a little shorthanded, they're they're outdoing just everybody else. Yeah, they're hiring, and they were at the top of the the, uh, jobs list in January also with an even bigger number. But it shows that there are a lot of jobs still going, and and really, they're all up and down the list. So they're they're not only at the bottom, but at the top. And I I would imagine this is causing operational issues for a a lot of places still. I mean, I notice, uh, as someone who takes groups of people into restaurants and into attractions and hotels and the like, um, I can tell you that things are not back to normal. So if you are traveling and you just because people are not wearing masks and you think COVID is behind us, I will tell you that in the travel and tourism industry, it isn't behind us because we don't have enough people, particularly at peak times, to be able to serve folks. I have even seen uh, concession lines at the ballparks, for example, are uh, longer than I remember them. Um, and which is interesting considering the incredible pricing that they're getting um, from things, something we're going to talk about in a few minutes. All right, one more story here in the travel news. This is the most interesting one I've seen in a while. Um, Frontier Airlines, as you know, is an ultra-low-cost carrier. They charge you very little for your base fare, but a whole lot for everything else. Carry-ons, picking a seat, whatever it is, they extract money from you. If you don't check your bag downstairs and you have to check it at the gate because it's an illegal large size carry-on the airline hits you for a hundred bucks so a situation occurred in the past week where a lady went to a party went to board and they claimed and they have video and pictures to hypothetically back up their claim that frontier even though their bag fit into the sizer and was legal still charged them a hundred dollars Frontier says, and apparently legitimately says, these people had way more than what you saw in the video and pictures they showed you. And they and and in fact, Frontier had a picture of another person in the party who had two carry on bags and they were charging her for either one of them. So it appears as though perhaps a passenger kind of manipulated the system a little bit to make it look like that Frontier was not being up and up. But the story gets way better than that. Apparently, um, it has now been divulged by Frontier Airlines because of all of this going viral, that they pay the contracted agents, contracted meaning they aren't full-time Frontier employees, they generally are folks who work for another company and who are hired by Frontier and say, okay, go to the gate and do this for these number of hours. Um, These people are paid a commission 
for every bag that they get you to check at the gate. So if they hit you for 100 bucks, they're getting 10 bucks of that money. And Frontier says, well, of course, we would pay these people a commission because that's an incentive for them to go after those bags, which I all find incredibly interesting. It gets better when you go online and you read in several of the blogs around the, in, the, the airline industry reactions from people to this Frontier situation. They say, OK, maybe Frontier was in the right here, but they have these horrid stories to tell about being forced to check bags at the gate and the bags not showing up at the other end, even though they paid a huge premium for them and Frontier lying to them about where that the bag wasn't lost and that they hadn't checked it in the first place, even though the people had. I mean, there are stories online that would Tom that would keep you from flying on Frontier. Um, I guarantee you I've spent about an hour and a half down a rabbit hole reading a lot of them. So here's the deal. Frontier apparently pays the people at their gates a commission for dinging you for a bag that's not legal. I guess if it's a bag that's not legal, that's legit. But it also appears that what this whole thing has brought out is the fact that Frontier Airlines, in innumerable cases, is playing on the edge in terms of how they charge people and what they charge them for. And, of course, if you want to talk to them at the airport, you have to pay for that. So I just say to you one more time, buyer beware. If you are flying on an ultra-low-cost carrier like Frontier Airlines, you've got to be careful that you know the rules beforehand because the rules are set up to nail you along the way. That's how these people make money. And that's your travel news for today. Mark, uh, welcome from the from the land of the sun. Uh, was that what it's called there? The yeah, yeah, you're 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 right, sort of, kind of. We're in Phoenix, where um, you know it's not an accident they hold spring training here because the weather is generally spectacular this time of the year, and, and we're going on our first day here, and dare I say the first? And I know the weather is terrible back home, so I feel slightly guilty about this. Although yesterday they did announce before the start of of the game we were watching between the A's and the Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians, that it was 42 degrees in Cleveland at game time. So, uh, but no, the weather down here has been just absolutely perfect for um, several days. Had uh, Sunday brunch at the Wrigley Mansion this morning and out at the ballpark, um, headed out for the ballpark now. So to see the Giants and then uh, tomorrow afternoon we'll be headed home. Well, uh Earlier this week, or should I say towards the end of the week, I think it was all Friday or maybe Saturday, maybe yesterday, uh, I had chimed in. Uh, I sent you a little text because uh, the Giants and the Dodgers were on. And uh, mm-hmm. I think my text was something like, hey, are you at this game? And you texted back, no, we're we're watching the A's play because the the cheap seats at the Giants game are 100 bucks." So, uh, yeah, yes. not the cheapest seat, but nonetheless, um, uh, we uh, today, Sunday, are paying $72 to watch the A's and the Giants play each other. And remember, it's a game that doesn't count. And there's no guarantee that, um, you know, you, like today's game is a split squad game for the A's. So they'll send mostly minor leaguers to play the Giants. Um, the first day we watched the Giants and uh, mostly minor leaguers took on the A's. Of course, if you're a baseball purist, you like to see some of these people because these are the people who are coming mm-hmm. to your team, hypothetically. So, And there have been a host of rule changes this year, which are really going to make things interesting. But anyway, this is the Smarter Traveler segment. And what I wanted to do, Tom, is give people a few tips 
trips. If you are thinking of coming down here, this is on the bucket list for a lot of people, and you're not lucky enough to come down here with one of the Sports Leisure Vacations groups, you're coming down on your own and putting together your own package, um, make hotel reservations early. You're going to find that hotels are just as overpriced as they are anywhere else in the country, and the more last minute you make them, the more more money that you will pay for hotel rooms. Um, also, you got to consider down here at the ballparks. Um, they hold between ten and fourteen thousand people. They're they're very nice facilities, most of them, but they have very few seats in the shade. Hmm. So, if you are a person who can't sit in the sun for two and a half hours, and a lot of people cannot, I mean, even slathered with all kinds of sunscreen and stuff, it can. The weather's been beautiful down here, but in another week down here, it won't be uncommon at all for the temperatures to get well into the eighties. And you're in the desert, and it's warm, and sunburn is an issue. So I suggest to you that if you're concerned about that, you consider getting seats in the shade. Many ballparks, however, don't have a whole lot of seats in the shade, so that's something you need to consider purchasing well in advance. Like when tickets go on sale, you want to dig through, and you want to call the club and say, look, you know, I'm about to go online and buy my tickets, so what section or what rows Mm -hmm. will be shaded? Mm-hmm. so that you can make sure that you're covered um, there. Concession prices down here are beyond ridiculous. Um, the cheapest beer in Scottsdale is a Coors Light for eleven ninety nine. dollars um, If you want a real beer, <clears throat> uh, then it's about $3 more than that, say 14 or 15 The cheapest hot dog in the price is in the ballpark is 8 bucks. A bottle of water is 5 and a quarter. So um, it's a little difficult to bring. You can bring snacks and food in, but all the ballparks down here this year are going with the only, unless you have a small lady's purse, you're bringing other things into the ballpark, you have to bring them in in clear plastic bags. So consider the possibility. This is happening at a lot of other entertainment venues too. So if you're someone who regularly goes to plays or shows or to the ballpark or to any sports venue, getting yourself a clear plastic bag and there are dimensional uh, limitations on those two so right. make sure you do your homework yeah. and so that you don't bring things to the ballpark you can't bring in you know uh we go to the king's games and that's a, a regular rule there uh and they don't require the clear but they do require the size so let's say you got the clear and you got the size and they're going to allow you to bring a snack, and you're not going to be able to bring in much. You're barely going to be able to bring in one bottle of water. Uh, and, that's it. And, and, and uh, one little tiny bag of chips. And otherwise, that's it. But that alone can save you half your life savings. <laughs> um, that's a good I point. mean, literally, the bottles of water were five and a quarter at one park, four seventy-five at the other. So bringing a bottle of water in is a good idea. If they'll allow you to bring two, all the better. It's the desert, remember. So dehydration is a is an issue down here, especially if you're going to drink alcohol and, and stuff like that. Um, concession prices are ridiculous. So uh, consider the possibility, perhaps, especially if you're bringing kids to the game, maybe go and eat before the 1 o'clock game starts so that the food in the restaurant is a little less expensive than the food at the ballpark that's just um something that you might want to uh, mm-hmm. might want to consider um oh speaking of eating really great place to eat in town um if you're looking for a steakhouse it's been here for a long long time it's called rustler's roost and it's up on the uh, uh up on a hill south of downtown phoenix 
So uh, consider, if you're really looking for a place with great stakes and reasonable prices, um, they don't take reservations. You can call and put your name on a list um, and check on what the weight is on, when you're on your way there. Go to dinner early. Leave the ballpark. Remember, you didn't buy all that overpriced food at the park. So when the game is over, the games are running quicker this year because of the new rule changes. You're out of the ballpark by 3.30, quarter to 4. You go and you're the first seating at dinner someplace at 5 o'clock, and you had a wonderful dinner, and you saved money on the concessions at the ballpark. There you go. That's a a great tip. Uh, You know, uh, people, I find eating at a ballpark or an event, uh, you know, a snack is fine. I certainly don't want to go there and... Uh, really hungry and, and feeling like I'm going to have to have this is going to be dinner because, like you say, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And generally speaking, in regards to the quality of the food, you're going to do better outside the park. Yes, that's absolutely true. And expense wise also hotels down here, incredibly overpriced all during spring training. So consider making your hotel reservations as early as possible. Um, Tickets generally go on sale uh, late fall, November, December. So, again, that's something that you also want to get on to if you want the very best seating. But definitely do your homework. Well, all right. So just one last question before we get out of here with the new rules and the game being uh, a lot quicker. Uh, how do how are their fans reacting? How are your travelers uh, reacting? Are they are they happy with this? I think most baseball fans, the ones traveling with me, are pretty happy about it. It's going to be a little interesting at the beginning of the year. You're going to see more stolen bases, more hit and runs. Um, I don't think we're going to be as reliant on the strikeout and the home run as we have been in the force in the recent past. So I think these are all they're all good changes. They've been in the minor leagues for a couple of years. So folks who see River Cats games have seen some of these changes already. Our guest is Jack Cavanaugh. Jack has a new book called Always Ireland. It is one of these National Geographic books. So it is, you know, books are kind of have kind of gone out of out of fashion uh, to some extent um, these days. A lot of people read books online. But the National Geographic books are really something that you need to hold in your hand because the photography is over completely over the top. And these are just amazing, amazing books. We have a link to um, Jack's uh, a book at TravelGuysRadio.com. So as the interview unfolds, if you are interested, you can go there and take advantage of that link. Well, Jack, welcome to the Travel Guys. Thanks very much, Mark, and thanks, Tom. Nice to be here. We have St. Patrick's Day coming up, so what an appropriate time to talk a little bit about <laughs> uh, the Emerald Isle. You have a wonderful book out, as I mentioned. Um, tell our listeners a little bit about it. Thanks very much. Um, well, Always Ireland, as you say, it's, um, it's, it's a new kind of book and an old kind of book in a way because it's not a traditional travel guide. Um, all that information can be got online now. The old uh, information that you used to go to, to travel guides for bookings and distances and whatnot. Um, so I like to think of this book as more of a, an aspirational travel book. Uh, what I, I call it a dreamer's guide to Ireland because it's a book that you might buy six months or even a year before you go there and, and you can just dip into it and dream about Ireland and dream about what, what the parts of you, you want to see and experience, the history, the culture, the food, there's drives, what to expect, off the beaten path 
tips, that kind of thing. Um, I, I also talk to a lot of Irish people uh, in, in the year or two that I wrote the book, and it was great fun. And one of the people who I couldn't talk to because he's long passed away, but he was my mentor when I was a young journalist, uh, a man called Con Houlihan, a great sports writer from Dublin. And Con had a great saying, uh, daydreaming is good for you. Um, and and that's the kind of the credo of this book. You know, dip into a daydream, think about Ireland, and and uh, off you go someday. Clayton Whitehead, who takes folks to Ireland, our sports leisure travelers to Ireland, uh, on a pretty regular basis, uh, does the British Isles, has a trip to Scotland this summer. He asked me to ask you. He said some of our travelers here at Sports Leisure Vacations, are still a little bit hesitant to go to Northern Ireland. And he says, Belfast is such an amazingly spectacular city. He says, ask Jack what he would tell folks who are still a little hesitant about traveling to both parts of the country. Well, I'd agree with Clayton 100%. You've got to go to the north. Um, it's it's an incredible place. The amazing thing about Ireland is that it's half the size of, of New Jersey's or somewhere like that. It's so small, but yet there's such a diversity of cultures, of accents, of just experiences. And I hadn't been to the north myself during the 80s and 90s because of the trouble. You just wouldn't go up there if you're from Dublin because you could you could wander into the wrong place. But I went back in, I think, 2015, and I've been back, I don't know, several times, six or seven times since then, because it's it's such good fun, um, it, particularly if you're a sports fan. It's it's a great place to experience a match. In the book, I have a, a, a section on on a Derry City game, which is a soccer team up there. The Derry City were interesting. They were kind of outcasts from the league of the, the Northern League, and and uh, they were taken into the Southern League for a while. They didn't have a home for a while. This was all back in the eighties. But to go to Derry now is just a marvellous experience. It's a very warm city. It's a kind of overlooked city. To go to Belfast now is great fun as well because the people there have such a <laughs> they have such a dark sense of humour that I, I just find it hilarious. Um, I, I, I talked to a guy in the Crown Pub, which is a famous uh, gin joint. Um, it's a Victorian gin palace in, in Belfast. And he said to me... Uh, he welcomed me to Belfast, and he says, "Welcome to Belfast. This is the only uh, city in the world where the main tourist attraction is the world's greatest maritime disaster." You know, because he was talking about the Titanic experience, yeah. which is another fabulous reason to go to Belfast. Just an amazing museum. It was voted one of the best museums in the world. But everywhere in the north now is very welcoming, very open, and I'd have no hesitation in going up there. In fact, I'm going to go there in April with a friend who I'm I'm bringing over to Ireland. Our special guest here on The Travel Guys, Jack Cavanaugh. He got a brand new book. uh, And and Jack, I was thumbing through it, uh, and I am just overwhelmed by the by the beauty of all the photography on there. I have two questions. Number one, did you take all the photos? (laughs) <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, I I didn't. Um, they are a mix of photos from various people, at, um, a lot of them at National Geographic uh, photographers. I have one special photographer that I travel a lot with, and his name is Jeff Moritzen. So Jeff took an awful lot of these um, 
beautiful, beautiful photographs, as you say. The great thing about Ireland is if you travel the back roads, you, you should never use a GPS because you miss half the fun of Ireland, which is talking <laughs> to people, you know, stopping for directions. Like, right. I think the advice I always mm-hmm. give to people is don't, don't overthink Ireland because it'll happen, you know, if you let it happen, if you have the time to talk to people, if you have the time to take in experiences and if you don't try to rush from A to B to C you know, to get everywhere and everything done in a day. And the other question I had, Jack, uh, I, I, uh, what's the significance? Uh, I'm sure there's. this has gone, goes back uh, hundreds of years. Uh, wh- what's the deal with the rock walls? <laughs> well, it's, it's really a uh, necessity being the, the mother of invention because uh, Ireland is, is uh, the west of Ireland is where you see a lot of the, the rock walls, the stone walls of, uh, of the west of Ireland, and particularly in places like the Aran Islands, which have been shown on the recent film, um, The Banshees of Inishairn. It's full, full of uh, these stone walls. And it's basically that people used what was in the earth uh, to, to mark off their territory. The, a lot of the fields in the west are very barren, um, particularly in the Aran Islands, which is all limestone. So the little patch you would have, you'd have to really nurture. You'd be bringing in seaweed to lay on top of the soil, which you might have imported from the mainland. Uh, so it was it was to keep it all in in place and to mark out your territory. And then you know, with the inheritance system in the in the in the Gaelic world, a several sons would would split the inheritance. So you would subdivide and subdivide. So all these walls became little markers. But um, I spoke to a, a, a great guy who I do a lot of traveling with in Ireland called Rory O'Shocknessy. And Rory O'Shocknessy is a travel guide uh, on our National Geographic Expeditions Tours, which we do every summer. And Rory is also a stonemason, a, a wall maker. So he gave me a, a wonderful interview on the breakdown, all, all the different kinds of walls um, that 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 can be made with um, with the old limestone rocks, and this has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. So it's a it's a real ancient craft. Jack Cavanaugh, his book is Always Ireland. Jack, before I let you go, let me ask you, um, folks who are are listening, and St. Patrick's Day is coming up, and they're thinking, well, you know, I've never been to Ireland. I'd like to go there. Do you have a, a suggestion or two for a first time traveler, something that that might pique their interest just a little bit something some an idea or one or two you must you must see these type these places if you go to ireland um oh, there's, there's so many places in ireland to see there's, there's absolutely fantastic places but i the, the book we, we cover all the big places like you know galway with all its festivals in the summer and Kerry, the ring of Kerry, which which everyone loves to tour but we also give little out of the way places like Instead of doing the, the Ring of Kerry, maybe do the Dingle Peninsula, which is just this loop way, way out uh, on, onto the Dingle Peninsula. And it includes the, the town of, of Dingle, which is just an absolute heaven in the in the summer. So I would say, you know, go somewhere offbeat, like either Dingle or Kilkenny is another great, great town, a medieval town with um, a history of witchcraft and, and all kinds of interesting things going on. Great historic site. There's a there's a marvelous museum there called the Medieval uh, the Medieval Mile is the, is the walk that you walk around. But it's got a brewery. It's got um, it's got a castle. Kilkenny Castle is famous. You could base yourself in Kilkenny and and have a, a wonderful week if if you just stayed within the the city and and, and the surrounds. 
particularly if there was a, a, a Gaelic hurling match on, which they're, they're mad about down there. But there's all these little places. Do a little bit of research and find your own off-the-beaten place. Like, I'm from Bray, County Wicklow, which is a seaside town. And I'm going to bring the, a friend of mine from Ohio there next month. We'll base ourselves in Bray. We'll do Wicklow. We'll get to see all the big sites in in Dublin as well. But it's it's the places that you discover on the road. I think that that really make it special. So um, yeah, don't don't be don't be scared to just get lost in Ireland. Would be my advice to people. You know, because people will always talk to you. The Irish are extremely friendly, and they they mainly speak English. They speak a type of English, but you'll understand them. You know. And and uh, I, I think Ireland is the kind of place you're going to have a good time no matter where you go, even if you do get lost, you know. Thank you, Jack, for um, giving us a little bit of a of a look into Ireland as a man who, who grew up south of Dublin. You've you, you take groups all over Ireland for National Geographic. Now, it's a beautiful right. book. If you are Thank interested you. in Ireland or in Jack's book, you can go to TravelGuysRadio.com. You will find a link there to Always Ireland. It is, as I mentioned before, one of National Geographic's. They put out these amazing – I mean, they're, they're, it's almost a vacation in itself. I mean, just reading the book and looking at the pictures would either make you feel like you've been there or you desperately want to go there. It's a, it's a beautiful publication. Thank you, Jack, for a little bit of your time today. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. I'll tell you, I am still just overwhelmed with the great photos and now my overwhelming desire to want to go to Ireland along with all the other places that are on my bucket list. Okay, Mark, uh, so what's coming up in the back half of the last part of the show here? Well, you know, we do the travel news every week at the beginning of the show. And a couple weeks ago, we found some interesting stories and did the weird travel news. And wouldn't you know it? By golly, weird travel news begates weird, more weird travel news. So we have an additional, and I think, I mean, you know, if you've ever been chased by a bear in a national park or played blackjack in a casino or just flown on an airline with your family, we have news that will be important to you. All right, Mark, we uh, week two with uh, weird news in the final segment of the show, so... Yeah. But first of all, what's your source for weird news these days? It just shows up. It just showed, you know, we did the weird news and then all of a sudden all this weird stuff started popping up. I think you're going to have to if we if we continue to get weird travel news, we're going to have to have some kind of a jingle or a you know, a musical. Oh, sure, set sure. It, Everybody so. has to have that, like uh, Jimmy Fallon. Weird travel news. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's good. All right. In the weird travel news today, first of all here, um, because the first headline says casino lawsuit. Blackjack game continued as guests suffered heart attack. Oh, boy. A Las Vegas casino lawsuit alleges a guest suffered a heart attack while a blackjack game continued. The family of a win win Las Vegas guest said he slumped onto the blackjack table, but the dealer continued to deal cards. The casino lawsuit alleges the guest did not receive any medical care for nearly 20 minutes. The incident happened in April of 2022. The suit, the suit states the dealer continued to deal cards to another player and continued to play blackjack. The man remained slumped over on the blackjack table for an unreasonable amount of time while no one intervened. Instead, employees just counted his gaming chips. The guest was apparently a prominent lawyer from Miami. He eventually died. 
in October of 2022. The lawsuit claims the delay in receiving help and the lack of a defibrillator training on by on-site security were factors in the gentleman's death. How about that? He slumped over the table and they just kept right on going. Oh, my gosh, Mark, you played blackjack. We both do. And uh, I mean, what would have been your reaction? Now, of course, we don't know all the details. Was it a one of those late evening things where it was just two people playing? You know, yeah. us blackjack players, given the opportunity, we don't really like to necessarily play with a group of eight. Uh, you always like to play with it one-on-one or, you know, small. Yeah. You want to play third base or whatever it might be. And, you know, and so so you're playing, and, and one of the people playing with you is all of a sudden face down on the table. Now, you know, when you're at a casino in a hotel or whatever, stuff like that can happen. You know, they drink yes. too much and pass out. and But... But I can't believe that they didn't immediately stop the game and get somebody over to check this. 20 minutes went by? 20 minutes. So apparently, now now listen, this is just one side of the story. So it's entirely possible that the casino has another side of the story. Perhaps they thought the gentleman was taking a nap. Or, you know, maybe he was just... Studying his cards much more closely than other people. Anyways, that's Well, I'll, that's I'll Google one. into that one, not right now, and, and see see if we can find out the rest of the story. I'm intrigued. All right, what Next else? Next headline says, in the weird news, travel news, National Park Service says, never push a slower friend down when escaping a bear. <laughs> Officials with the National Park Service are using a little humor while sharing a few bear safety tips. Wow. The Park Service shared on its social media site this week that if you come across a bear, never push a slower friend down, even if you feel the friendship has run its course. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> official that's said pretty when spring arrives humor. officially on March 20th and the snow begins to melt at parks around the country, many bears are expected to become more active. According to the Park Service, seeing a bear in the wild is a special treat for any visitor. And while it's an exciting moment, it's important to remember the bears in national parks are wild and can be dangerous. You think? Yeah. You think? Maybe? Yeah. Officials said there is no single strategy that guarantees safety, but they did share a few general tips to help prevent a bear encounter from escalating. The first one is interesting. I can't tell if this is tongue-in-cheek or not. Identify yourself by talking calmly so the bear knows you are a human and not a prey animal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Important to let the bear know that you are you are there peacefully. So and you hope that the bear speaks English and understands you. Yeah, so immediate- stay calm and remember that most bears do not want to attack. They usually just want to be left alone. <laughs> this one is cute. Pick up small children immediately. Don't make any loud noises or screams. <laughs> Just in case you think the bear might, you know, only want a snack instead of a full meal. Hike and travel in groups. Good wisdom. Groups of people are usually noisier and smellier than a single person. <laughs> yeah, boy. Anyways, uh, there are, do not allow the bear to a- bear access to your food. Getting your food will only encourage the bear and make the situation Worse, mm-hmm. do not drop your pack as it can provide protection for your back and prevent a bear from accessing your food. And it goes on and on and on from there. But anyway, the main thing to, to remember is that if you're running from a bear, I heard an old joke one time that said, 
Uh, two guys are running from the bear, and they were a, they were a mile away from shelter. And one guy said to the other guy, he says, what the hell are we running for? He says, we're not going to outrun that bear. And the guy looked at his friend. He said, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, But don't push the slower person down. Do not. That's considered yeah. inappropriate outside beha- outdoor behavior. And here, finally, is a third story from the Weird Travel News. We've talked a lot, and even on this week's show, about airlines scrambling to show the government that, indeed, they're going to allow families to sit together. And United Airlines PR department has spent weeks falling all over themselves about how wonderful their plan is. They managed to flood the news with the story and about how young children under 12 can more easily sit together. So all of this has now happened. And so the gentleman writing this story says, so what comes next? Here are a few predictions. Southwest Airlines announces that they will no longer charge extra for flights that arrive on time. A spokesman for the Dallas-based airline said they will remove the additional fees charged when a flight arrives on time. The airline explained that people have been willing to pay extra for this great benefit because it reduces their stress level and makes it easier to make a connecting flight. Southwest, however, will still charge extra for those flights that arrive early. (laughs) Delta Airlines announced that they are matching United's new policy for family seating and upping it one better. Delta says that not only will they allow families with children under 12 to sit together, they will also allow grandparents to sit with the family as long as the grandparents can show proof of identity of their relationship at the time of booking. American has announced a new benefit for mothers. American weighed in and announced a new plan for a special plan for mothers that lets them pay twenty five to fifty dollars per flight. Get this, Tom, to sit apart from their kids. <laughs> Ten rows apart cost $25, and 20 rows apart will cost $50. <laughs> Spirit Airlines, known for its high rate of lost luggage, announced another new benefit. They will allow passengers to add their own tracking device to their luggage for only a $25 fee per bag. A spokesman noticed not only do families want to fly together, they also want to fly together with their luggage. So they think that... that Families will be happy with this new arrangement where, for a modest fee, they can find out which city their bags are located upon arrival. (laughs) Pete Buttigieg, Secretary of Transportation, lauded the airline industry for incorporating these new family-friendly policies, saying these recent announcements by the airline industry are the result of my department's unceasing efforts to force the airlines to become more consumer-friendly. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the weird travel news for the week. Boy, and there you, and you only hear it here on the Travel Guys every Sunday, 3 to 4 o'clock. By the way, Mark, any comments on the uh, situation with uh, JetBlue and Spirit? Uh, we all expected the government to step in. I don't think there's any chance the government is going to let Spirit go away. So I think Jet, JetBlue is probably barking up the wrong tree there. Hey, you you were talking about the cruise ship that's coming to town now. Yes, the news group. What is the American Jazz? I don't know if that means they're going to play jazz music on the on it, but uh, you might have seen it in the news. If not, check it out. Go ahead and Google American Jazz. Uh, Big old cruise ship, though. You might see it downtown. Should be in town about uh, about once a week. That about wraps it up for this week, Thomas. Remember, dance like nobody's watching. All right, my friends, stay well. We'll see you next week, 3 o'clock, right here on The Travel Guys. Travel.